The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. You know, I was out there yesterday with my son and his friend. We had a terrific day, especially when we all parred the 14th hole with superb putting. A thoroughly enjoyable day on the course. The fall colors were spectacular. It was warm, sunny. What more could you ask for? We all played well and afterwards enjoyed a delicious meal and a cold beverage at the Pebblestone Pub. Look, if you love golf, you've got to check out Crosswinds. Still lots of golf to be played this fall. Excellent conditions, great food, friendly people. Why, they even emailed me to say there might be a slight delay due to frost. An eight-minute delay. And they emailed me still to say, Mr. Hepshire, you know, it might be eight minutes. Isn't that great? That's the finest in customer service. So check out Crosswinds for yourself. Book your tee time online at crosswindsgolf.com. And when you get there, tell them Hebsey sent you. Now, let's begin the podcast. And welcome to Hebsey on Sports, episode number Morgan Riley, Leroy Kelly of the Cleveland Browns, my favorite team when I was a kid, Jerry West. That's right, the logo. He's the one, the NBA logo. That's him. That's Jerry West. And number 44, Hammer and Hank Aaron. I'm Mark Hepsher alongside Toronto Mike. Today on the show, the Houston Astros win a barn burner over the Yankees and are headed to the World Series against the Washington Expos. Nationals, sorry. <laughs> TFC wins an overtime thriller in the opening round of the MLS playoffs, and they hope to have Josie Altidore back for Wednesday's second-round playoff game in New York City. The Leafs beat those pesky Boston Bruins in overtime, but they have a hellacious week with a couple of back-to-backs starting tonight. How many starts in goal will Michael Hutchinson get? I say one. I think Babcock wants him in twice this week. The Toronto Raptors get set to host the New Orleans Pelicans and raise the NBA championship banner at home, and everybody gets a ring. You get a ring. You get a ring. You get a ring. It's going to be cool, and they're asking people to show up 45 minutes before tip-off for all the ceremonies. It's going to be great. The Buffalo Bills move to 5-1 and one after a tight win over the hapless Fish. Major League Baseball is set to make some serious changes to their minor league system that could cost hundreds of jobs. And how important is sleep to a professional athlete? Guys in the NHL and the NBA don't get a lot of sleep. They cultivate sleeps. They cultivate cat naps. When you're playing every two nights, it's tough to get a good night's sleep. You'd be amazed at how little shut-eye the average NBA and NHL player gets during the season. That's all I had, but first, we always celebrate Canadians who do well on the international stage. Right, Mike? Absolutely. We've been there from the very beginning when uh, Bianca started playing. We said, hey, we got these young Canadians. They're playing internationally, whether it's golf or tennis. Uh, Canadians in the NBA, Canadians in Major League Baseball, Canadians in... It doesn't matter what. You know, if you're, if you're Canadian and you're playing well on a high level, an elite level, uh, we're interested. So... You never forget your first, right, Mike? That is correct. Your first, whatever it is, <laughs> you never forget your first. So 20-year-old Denis Shapovalov ranked uh, 34th in the world. He's actually now ranked 27th after this win. But uh, prior to the uh, Stockholm Open, he was uh, ranked 34th. He won the Stockholm Open. That's a two-series, a 250-series two event. So the big ones are 1,000. And the next big ones are 500. And then the, the, the smaller ones, are, are they're called 250. So he had a 6-4, 6-4 win over the 60th-ranked Serbian, Filip Krajinovic. So Very this good. is Denny Shapovalov's first ATP victory. First victory. But before we get all excited about the win, you need to know a bit of the background here. Yes, he did win the tournament. And yes, it's his first. But he caught a break when the top three seeds in this tournament, world number 12, Fabio Fognini, world 27, Grigor Dimitrov, and world 29, Taylor Fritz, were all beaten in the round of 16. 
which allowed Shapovalov to win the tournament by beating two qualifiers, a lucky loser ranked 129th in the world, and the 60th ranked Krajinovich in the final. Now, that's an easy route to the final. That's as easy as it gets. <clears throat> that's a very easy route. And to take nothing away from Shapovalov's win, and I watched all of those matches, he didn't look great. He was expected to beat all the people that he beat, right? There wasn't one moment there where it was like, oh, he's in tough. Not one moment where I thought, gee, this guy that he's playing could beat Shapovalov. So, so you watch these matches. I do watch these matches on the zone. And so... I'm rooting for him, of course, and I want him to win, of course. But I'm saying to myself, even if he wins, who did he beat? He kind of beat the bottom of the barrel. And this Masters 250 event, this I don't think it's Masters, just a 250 um, uh, series, is there were three of them going on this past weekend. So uh, amongst the top tennis players, first of all, all the top guys, Djokovic and Federer and Nadal, uh, didn't play in this, and um, uh, Medvedev, guys like that, they, they didn't play in this. This is for the... Maybe not the top. There's only one of the top 10 players uh, playing in, in these, but three different 250 events. The other uh, two were uh, Andy Murray made a fantastic, tremendous comeback. This guy had career-threatening hip surgery back in January. Right. Won his first tournament since 2017, beating the fourth seed and world number 18, Stan Wawrinka, in three sets to capture the tournament in Antwerp, Belgium. So that's a 250 series. In that tournament, the top three seeds also went out in the round of 16. World 13, Gael Monfils, uh, world 14, David Goffin, and World 15, Diego Schwartzman. All knocked out in the first round. Also, the Kremlin Cup, a 250 event as well. Want to guess what country that was played in? Yeah, that's in Russia. That's right, Mike. <laughs> Andrei Rublev, who's ranked 31 in the world, won the title over the 44th-ranked Adrian Manorino. Uh, but in that one, world number 8, Karol Kachanov, and world 25, Marin Cilic, both ousted before the final. This is what happens. You've got three different events going on, all with ATP players, right? Uh, some of them ranked, you know, higher than others, but a pretty good crop of players with the exception of, you know, most of the guys in the top 10 and, and not even Felix, uh, Oje Aliazim was playing in this. He's ranked 17th. He's 18th now in the world, but he even took the week off from this 250 event. So these are kind of the, you know, not challenger events, but these are the lower ranked ones where it's right. like, look, go play in that event. And if you can win that, you know, maybe you can win one day in the 500, and then maybe you can win one day in a, in a 1,000 event. Yeah, you can only uh, <clears throat> beat the guys you're playing, so uh, right. good on Chapo for... Good on Chapo for winning. Uh, uh, so while it's great to uh, celebrate his win, he didn't beat a player of consequence. He was expected to win all those matches and, and didn't look that impressive. I mean, he, he still makes a lot of um, unforced errors. He goes for winners a lot, and he gets upset. There was one... Uh, I think, was it yesterday or was it, it might've been yesterday or it might've been in the semifinals where he just wrecked his racket. He just slammed the racket down, slammed it, slammed it and just destroyed the racket. And then the announcers were, Ooh, uh, and, he, and he was assessed a, um, a warning for racket abuse. I love that racket abuse. And then after that, he just reeled off a bunch of like, he, he won the next like five or six games or something like that and won. So, you know, sometimes you've got to, you know, take out your frustrations, do that type of thing, get, get it out of your system. Right. But but again, he's still he's only twenty years old. No, Dale, <clears throat> Dale, sorry, he's twenty years old, yes. and he's the second youngest amongst the top thirty players in the world, next to Felix Oje Aliassime. He's the second youngest. So even the guys who are twenty two, twenty three, you've got to get a few years in there. He's only twenty. He doesn't turn twenty one till next April. Felix doesn't turn um, uh, twenty until sorry, he turns twenty one in April. Felix turns twenty next August. So two of the youngest, the two youngest players in the top 30 in the men's uh, ATP are Canadians. Very young still. 
Now, Dale on Periscope says uh, it still helps a career, his career because he learned to win and he can build on it. And he says uh, Pospisol uh, won a Vegas challenge too. So, Yeah, but the Vegas challenge wasn't the same. He did win. You're right. He won. Not the same. That's not an official ATP event, I don't believe. Right. And this is the first uh, official ATP event uh, a, a Canadian men's single player won since uh, Milos. Milos. Uh, remember him? <laughs> Whatever happened to Milos? <laughs> Milos has dropped to, I think, 31st in the world now. Oh. The new rankings came out. Dennis is 27. And um, uh, Felix Ogier is uh, 28. Anyway, up until that, um, uh, the other day, he uh, he was 0-7, Shapovalov, in semifinal matches this year. 0-7 when getting to the semis. And he beat the 129th ranked uh, Sugita of Japan in the semis. Uh, he was ranked as high as 20th this year, Shapovalov, uh, back in July. He reached the semifinals of the Miami Open. And he's got no rest now because this week, Mike, the uh, 500 series event, the Vienna Open in Austria, takes place. And Shapo gets Pablo Carrena Busto of Spain tomorrow in the round of 32. And Felix Oje Aliasim, who is seated sixth in this tournament, gets uh, Andre Rublev, who just won the Kremlin cup i thought you were going to have me <clears throat> guess where they play the vienna open that was all set <laughs> by the way there's no controversy over where uh Chapel is from right that's richmond hill am i right like there's no one uh, no other city in the gta claiming him that's like right. with bb we have that great controversy. that's correct that's right he was born in tel aviv israel and he lives uh, he resides in richmond hill ontario where i used to reside wow. on a couple of occasions are I you had, in the hall of fame the I richmond hill. no i don't even know who's in the richmond hill hall of fame That'd be a good one. I don't know. I'm trying clue. to think who would be in the Richmond Hill Hall of Fame, right? And who would be in the Markham Hall of Fame? Who would be in the Stouffville Hall of Fame? Who would be in the Thornhill Hall of Fame? They're going to the put Je- Jeff Merrick will be in that Stouffville Hall the, of Fame. What about the Maple Hall of Fame? I don't know. King City Hall of Fame? Woodbridge Hall of Fame. Let's just name every little community <laughs> outside of Toronto. Okay, nice job by the Maple Leafs on Saturday night when they came back and beat the Bruins in overtime on a goal by Morgan Riley. Yes. Uh, this after the Leafs gave up a late third-period goal to David Posternock and were badly outshot 46-29. to 29. Now, folks, look, I get it. I get it. You got a great goaltender. You put him in there. He makes 43 saves on 46 shots. Your team comes away with a victory. You got to have that once in a while. But you can't be giving up this many shots all the time or your goaltender is going to turn into a like a puddle of sweat. And then Mike Babcock's going to be right. He won't be able to play him on back-to-back games ever, uh, which he's not going to do apparently this week. No, he's not going to do that. Were it not for Anderson, this could have been a runaway win for Boston. Good on Freddie. I know I've said this before, but I'll say it again. You, you, you just got to ride this guy as much as you can. This week, he's scheduled to play tonight at home against Columbus. Michael Hutchinson is slated to go tomorrow in Boston against Tuka Rask and the Bruins. And then Friday, it's Anderson against the uh, Sharks at home. And then the next night in Montreal, Hutch is slated to go against Carey Price. That's two tough road games against division rivals. You're going to play your backup goalie. What the hell? Don't do it. Did you read Simmons' <laughs> notes? Uh, he does it every Sunday. But did you read the recent Steve Simmons' notes? I did. And he made the point, which is that how, how rigid the system is, that not only does uh, Babcock not right. play uh, Freddie Anderson back-to-back. He will but, not play him back-to-back. But he always plays, if there's back-to-back, Freddie always the gets game night. one. Right. And h- no matter what the opponent is or situation, which mean, makes no sense. You should. Did be, I not say that on our last Yeah, podcast? of course. I, I should say so wait Simmons a second. probably it, got it from you. I, I, listen, <laughs> I think it's more than, I mean, I think you can figure it out. I don't think Simmons listens. No, we to all the had pod- this. Uh, I don't think Simmons listens to this talk. podcast and went, "Hey, I got something new for my Sunday notes. I didn't know this before." Kind of doubt that, but yeah, that that is rigid is the right word. Yeah, I mean, if you can't, can't you look at the schedule and go, "Oh man, maybe I should play Freddie Saturday." Right. But like I said, that means you're playing Hutchison in back to back games. 
You're playing them Tuesday night against Boston, and then you're going to play them Friday at home against San Jose. Back-to-back games. Oh, that kind of back, yeah. I mean, well, that, no, but yeah, that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, I know. So, I know. So, so, here's, so, so again, you're going to have two tough road games against division rivals, and you're throwing your back up to the Wolves. How, are you, how will you know if you can beat these teams in their own barn unless you play your numero uno goaltender? Also, how Gardier will you know but- you have a reliable backup if you keep throwing them to the Wolves, like you said? Like, I feel like... Yeah. It's Babcock's job to get the most out of these goaltenders, but also to give us the best chance of getting oh. points against our opposition. Like, yeah. don't be so rigid. Don't be so you rigid. Could, I mean, my don't mom could so coach rigid. the team if that's all it is. It's Your like, mom oh. a pretty good coach? <laughs> well, she can do that. Oh, first of a back-to-back, that yeah. goes to uh, Freddie. Second game goes to Hutchinson. Right. Done. Uh, my so kids could do that. With Tavares out of the lineup the other day, I noticed that Matthews and Marner played a fair bit together. That... that uh, I mean, Babcock had to do some shuffling up. Freddie did a pretty good job there. I like seeing Matthews and Marner together, obviously. Uh, and, um, and Matthews got a lot of ice time. Like, Matthews got like 23 and a half minutes. I think, I think he might have, it might have been, if not the most he's ever played in a game, pretty close to it. Should have done that the last time we played the Bruins. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so now Matthews is, Matthews is going to take a lot more time because Kerfoot uh, was second amongst centers in playing time. He was like 16 or 17 minutes. And then you had um, like Gauthier and Spezza who had like, you know, less than 10 minutes each, I think. So that's a lot of playing time for Matt. You know what? You're paying him a good buck. He's, he's supposedly your best player. Him and Marner, give them, give them tons of ice time. Give them lots and lots and lots of ice time. Let them get to know each other. That's fine with me. I'm okay. Nylander, I still don't think is worth the money they're paying him. Skates a lot. You don't think so? No, he just, I don't know what it is. He's off to a good start. Is he? Yeah, um, my kid tells me so. Oh, okay. I, I've been watching. Oh, well, but, uh, James is my expert. Now, I will say it's funny how that works out that in most of our memory banks, uh, Marner got that overtime winner because, you know, in real time, it looked like the Marner got the OT winner. We celebrated, and then later they said, oh, it went off of uh, Morgan Riley's shin or whatever, and he got credit for it. But uh, forever, I think we'll look back at most of us will look back at that game and remember Marner scoring the winner. Which even game was that? The, the last game, uh, the one that, uh, that OT win against the Bruins. We all saw Marner score it, right? Because no, couldn't... that was Riley who took the shot. No, it was Marner who took the shot, and then it apparently it went off of Riley's shin pad on its way in. But none of us saw it until further review of a slow mo replay when they said it went off of Riley. Yeah, it was Marner who took that shot. Hmm. I can, I'm sorry. Are, are you sure we're watching the same game? Left <laughs> point. It was from the left point. Rips the shot. Will somebody on Periscope tell Mark? Uh... Rips the shot. Left point. Riley, forty four. Rips the shot. Scores. I saw Marner shoot it. I thought Marner set him up with the pass. <laughs> All right, maybe we weren't watching the same game. By the way, I obviously wasn't watching the right game when I when I gave John Tavares hell for blocking a shot with his with his <laughs> pinky finger. But but what happened was the game was I guess the night before, and and I didn't like I no one saw when it happened. Nobody said, "Oh, Tavares is hurt." No, but it, it occurred on an actual. I think it was a shot by Riley from the point. The Leafs were in the offensive zone, and and for some and I don't know how, but for some reason. Tavares got in the way, and he got his hand in the way, and that's what broke the finger. I thought he was actually trying to block a shot. Okay, good. But it didn't. That wasn't revealed until after our podcast had been recorded, and then somebody found the replay, the highlight of you know where it occurred, because he didn't reveal that at the end of the game. Like at the end of the game, it wasn't. Oh, by the way, Tavares broke his finger. That yep. wasn't revealed until the next day. So we were speculating. So I thought, what's he doing blocking shots? So my apologies to John Tavares for even suggesting that you would try to block an opponent's shot with your. Like your palm out and your finger. So our apologies. So really, I, I thought yeah. I was watching a different game. No, against Boston. You're we, telling me that Riley uh-huh. didn't take that shot. 
I'm telling you, Marner, that was took, Marner that shot. took that shot and right. went off Riley. Right. What was Riley doing in front of the net to have it deflected? <laughs> all right. Anyway, three so. on three. It's crazy so things happen. Okay. All right. <laughs> I was watching the wrong game. <laughs> Come you know, on. I was, was going to grab a ticket to the uh, TFC DC United game. I'm looking at StubHub. What a game. We got to talk about this. There's all kinds of tickets available, and I'm thinking, oh, I should go down there. It's not that far from But how could there have been lots of tickets? That's got to be a hot ticket, right? I thought so, too, but there were tons of tickets available oh. a few hours before game time. And I noticed a lot of empty seats, even though they announced the crowd at 25,003, which is like a sellout. It looked to me like there were some pockets of empty seats there. I, I bet, know. I know. But I'm that's surprised. What, uh, and the prices seem fairly reasonable. I mean, $287 for a ticket to a soccer match is not... Is it? Okay, well, you're talking, so, yeah. to the wrong, you're talking to the there wrong guy. There was a lot of tickets. They were pretty <laughs> darn expensive, right? Anyway, I didn't go. I watched the game on TV because there's just a lot going on. Yeah. And I, I wish I had gone. I'm watching the fans, and I'm like, oh, man, I would have loved to have been there for that. It was great. Um, as you know, the Reds tried to nurse a one nothing lead through added time before DC tied the game in the 93rd minute off a corner where the Reds were just, they were asleep. And were Rooney like took that corner, asleep. right? That was yeah. a Wayne Rooney. It was a Wayne Rooney corner in his final MLS game. That's it. He's going to uh, Derby County back in the English. That's not even the Premier League. It's like uh, Division Two. Or... By the way, how old do you know? How old is he? Rooney? I don't know. Thirty-six or something like that. I, don't know, I could be wrong. He looks a hundred years old. He looks like he's. <laughs> he looks like he could knock back a couple of Guinness like real <laughs> like that. Um, but anyway, that goal in the uh, in in uh, added, stoppage, uh, time. stoppage time in the ninety-third minute stunned the crowd, sucked the life out of him, and I'm thinking like, oh my god, yeah. no! Because when you give up a late goal, you you become deflated. I tweeted the S word, actually, when that went in. I just couldn't believe that we let that happen in stoppage time. Yeah, it was awful. And when that happens, usually the other team has life and they come through. But no, in overtime, the Reds went wild. Our Richie Larriea, who's a Canadian, scoring three minutes in overtime. And then another Canadian, Jonathan Osorio, scoring twice in an eight-minute span. Crazy. In overtime, not even in the first half of overtime, because overtime is two 15-minute periods. So in the first period of overtime, it's not sudden death. First Have you ever seen anything like that? Never. Me neither. I don't think anyone had. It was spectacular. They scored four goals. <laughs> it was wild, and they ended up putting it 5-1 the final score. And they did it. This is the thing. They did it without superstar Josie Altador, who has a quad injury, and Omar Gonzalez, who has a problem with his uh, hammy. So two of your best players, certainly your superstar striker, yep. and they still win. And now they got uh, NYCFC. On Wednesday, Wednesday right? in New York at City Field. The game originally was scheduled for Yankee Stadium. But at the time, they weren't sure if the Yankees were still going to be in the playoffs or not. By the way, the Yankees got eliminated. To be discussed. Uh, so the game's at City Field, home of the METS Mets. So we don't get to host another match the whole rest of the season, right? This is all on the road now. Yeah, I th I'm pretty I sure. So. Yeah, I think so, because they are the they're still the, the lowest seed still involved. But man, 5-1, I mean, in a game, you're right. Like in stoppage Fantastic. time, they tie it up. And it, looking back at the oh, 5-1, that was a laugher. Well, okay. <laughs> it's just one of those things. No sudden death in, uh, in MLS playoffs here. That very was amazing. Exciting. And uh, my son was down um, in Liberty Village. And he cannot believe the amount of alcohol consumed prior to a TFC home game. He, <laughs> is, he cannot believe it. And he's seen, you know, a lot of booze being sucked back. And he said, it's amazing how much they drink before they go on their march down to the uh, BMO field. And they drink, from, is it beer? They're drinking beer. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. I mean, beer and shots or whatever it is, but he's, it's unbelievable how much they can consume before they even get to the game. And then they march down. I guess they march down. I'm trying to think what street, just down one of those streets down. They there, stumble, Moet they stumble down, stumble down there and they've got, you know, a big march and everything like that. And then, and then they're at the field, but he says, unbelievable. They just get tanked. They're rip roaring before they even get into the stadium. <laughs> And uh, did your son go to the game or no? No, gosh, no. 
Okay. Absolutely not. Um, it's going to be, this is going to be maybe the best week ever in sports. Uh, I can tell you this right now. If I were still married, this would be cause for divorce. <laughs> it would be Wait cause a minute. For Wait a minute. Before you even tell me uh, why, uh, remember there was a week when uh, the Blue Jays won the World Series and the Leafs went ten and zero to start a season. Right, but at the time, at that particular time, there I don't there was no TFC. I don't think there you know some other no. stuff going on. Um, so anyway, this is the week in sports. Okay, this is Monday. Right. Folks. I'm ready. It's Monday. We got the Leafs tonight. You got Monday night football tonight. If you're a football fan, you got New England playing against the uh, Jets. Uh, tomorrow, you've got the Leafs again. You've got the Raptors home opener and ring ceremony and banner raising ceremony. You don't want to miss that. You don't want to miss that. And you've got game one of the World Series. Okay? And what do you got, Tuesday now? I Hang lost on. track. And you've got Champions League during the day. Okay. All right, that's Tuesday. Wednesday, you've got TFC and game two of the World Series. Friday, you've got the Leafs and the Raptors and game three of the World Series. I haven't even looked at the schedule for the weekend because... <laughs> I'd be divorced by then, right? And don't forget. Honey, nothing to do this week. We got action going every single day. Every single day. Day and night. I'm excited. First of all, here's what I'm priority. I'm very excited about watching the Raptors home opener. And uh, You know that the, you know that the uh, NBA is just sick about this, eh? This, because Zion Williamson will not be playing for the Pelicans. And the reason that they had, and remember, this is opening, it's the only, yeah. it's, this is the first game of the schedule. This is your defending champions. Right. Without Kawhi Leonard, first time ever that an NBA Finals MVP is not back. For oh, that's the first time. First oh, time I ever. I didn't know that. Except for when Michael Jordan retired. Oh, I was going to say. Well, yeah. he retired. He, he was probably did twice. <laughs> uh, no, he retired his Finals, right. finals MVP. But right. my point is this, is that when they looked at the schedule, and I believe it's TNT with the opening night, your opening night is huge. So now no Zion Williamson. Right. And, and it's in Canada, the Raptors, which is great. But I'm sure they're just going, oh, my God, because all these games that they had scheduled with Zion Williamson early in the year, he's out with a knee injury. And so, you know, this, their big marquee matchup is just not going to be the same. It's like boo-hoo for and, them. Boo-hoo. And the New Orleans, yeah, but the, the thing is, the entire U.S. audience, you, 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 you know, they, they set up a marquee game for them. It's like there's no Zion, which means there's no real, you know, they don't have Anthony Davis anymore, and you're playing the defending champion, so kind of a letdown for them. And, and, and quite frankly, that U.S. TV schedule, I mean, they go over that well in advance. They plan that baby out. The Raptors sure. opening night and Christmas. Raptors are on TNT five times this year. Raptors are on TNT when they play. Oh no, they're on ESPN when they play Kawhi Leonard when he comes here in December. Did did right? they put us on the Christmas schedule before Kawhi chose the Clippers? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're, we're going to be. We are always going to be, always. So um, that's going to be very exciting for the Raptors. And you know what? They looked really good. The, I know it was exhibition, but the first time they put their starting five out there the other night against was it Brooklyn? They just kicked the snot out of them. You got uh, Kyle Lowry, Fred VanVleet. OG Ananobi, who looks fantastic. Yes. Boy, is that guy in good shape. Uh, Pascal Siakam, who just signed that big contract about four years and 100 and what is it? What did he sign for? Uh, big bucks. <laughs> what did he sign for? Four years. I have it here somewhere. Four years and uh, 130 million. Good for him, man. Yeah. Good for so him. you've got him. And of course, you've got uh, Marcus Saul starting as well. And Ser- Serge Ibaka was on the bench. So you've got a pretty good seven or eight man tight rotation. They look really good. And uh, I think they're going to surprise. I think they're going to start. We're going to talk. So I'm a looking bit. forward to that and the TFC, of course, because uh, it's a one, it's still that but one a, game elimination. Still, it's a Wednesday though, eh? Like it's weird because I mean, normally you play once, you play like once every week, but they played Saturday night and now they're playing Wednesday. They're in midweek. I don't know. Anyway, uh, game six of the American League Championship Series was a dandy. If you missed it, Saturday as well, the Astros prevailed six four in a two run homer by Jose Altuve, off ace reliever Aroldis Chapman in the bottom of the ninth inning. Why did it have to go to the bottom of the ninth? Because in the top of the ninth, Roberto Osuna was on to get DJ LeMahieu 
The uh, Astros were up four to two. There was a man on. LeMahieu fouled off a bunch of pitches. I think it was a ten pitch at bat. Yeah, what an at bat! And then hit a home run to right field, just over the outstretched glove of George Springer, who, like an inch to the left, he makes the catch. It's the greatest catch ever. Right. But he doesn't, and they tie the game, and the crowd in Houston just goes silent. And then the bottom of the ninth, little Jose Altuve, little Jose Altuve. <laughs> Hits this home run, and the place goes bonkers. And they're going to the World Series against the Washington Nationals. It's going to be great. So the World Series goes like this. It's a 2-3-2 format. Um, So games one and two are tomorrow and Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday in Houston. Then the weekend, I mean, if you're Washington, you're loving this, especially if the the weather's going to be good, which it wasn't yesterday. It was like pouring rain. But games three, four, and five are Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Washington. Game five, of course, if necessary. And then game six and seven back in Houston Tuesday, Wednesday. So you get home field advantage for the World Series, and your home games are Tuesday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The visiting team gets three games, the middle three. They get Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's not it just, I, I don't like that. I think that if you're the home team, you should at least get one weekend game at home. But the, don't, player, don't the players don't care. You don't think so? No. What about the fans? Dad, oh, yeah, Dad the, uh... I want to go to the World Series. Son, the game doesn't start till 8 o'clock. It's not going to be over till 11. It's Mark, school. forget going. Yeah, it's watching on TV. Both. I don't know. I have trouble finishing these World Series games, and I love playoff baseball. Like, right. some of these things end at, like, 12 after midnight. Yeah. I mean, I got to sleep. We'll get to sleep in a moment. That's a little teaser. That's a good one. I like that. All right, Major League Baseball is in negotiations with its minor league teams about efforts to reorganize elements of the system which could reduce the a number of affiliated teams in the minor leagues from 160 to 120. So imagine 40 cities, 40 minor league cities. Sorry, you're not going to have baseball after. You're not going to have minor league baseball. You can have baseball, but it's not going to be, you know, minor leagues. You're not going to be affiliated with a major league team. The current agreement between major league baseball and the minor league teams called the professional baseball agreement expires at the end of the 2020 season. MLB is looking to make some changes, according to reports, that would overhaul all levels of the minors, particularly low class A and below. Quote, we are in discussion with the owners of minor league teams to reorganize elements of the system and the goal of improving the working conditions of minor league players. Improving the working conditions, I like this, including upgrading the facilities to major league standards, increasing player compensation, reducing travel time between affiliates for road games, improving transportation and hotel accommodations, increasing the number of off days, and providing better geographical affiliations between the major league baseball clubs and affiliates. Stop me if you've heard this before. Did Mark Shapiro not introduce this a couple of years ago when he said the Blue Jays were going to upgrade Dunedin Stadium, which, by the way, is going to be gorgeous. It's going to be ready for next spring. Uh, and uh, increase compensation for minor league players, increase uh, and, um, and um, make uh, uh, for better hotel accommodations, better transportation. He mentioned this, I believe, at the start of the 2018 season. And Major League Baseball now uh, en masse is, is going to follow this, this idea of, you know, making it better because minor leagues, people will tell you it's, it's awful. Long bus rides for no reason, crummy hotels, uh, you know, lousy locker rooms, like with a rusty nail up there to hang your clothes up and no hot water in the showers, like stuff like that. Now they shouldn't be paid near, near what major leaguers are, but they should be paid a fair wage. And so major league baseball wants to do this. And the only way to do it is you have to reorganize the minor leagues. So here's the deal. There's still going to be AAA, AA, high class A, and low class A. Those four levels will be completely reworked to make the leagues, leagues more geographically compact. So in AAA, the Pacific Coast League would shift from 16 teams to 10. Because in the Pacific Coast League, there's some like there's like 16-hour bus rides for AAA. Wow. 
And that's just too much. So they're going to shift it to 10 teams. The International League would grow to 20 teams because the International League is like, you know, everywhere from Toledo to Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania to, uh, you know, uh, Buffalo and Syracuse and, you know, into the Carolinas. So you're going to add teams, but the travel isn't going to be nearly as bad. Uh, and you're going to have Western, you're going to have different divisions. So you're going to play more within your own division. So, you know, the travel time isn't going to be as much. Um, the 14-team low Class A South Atlantic League would be turned into a six-team league with a new Mid-Atlantic League springing up. And the Northwest League is going to move to full-season ball. So under the proposal by Major League Baseball, some teams will be asked to move from Class A to AAA. And others are going to be asked to move from AAA to Class A. So oh. let's say you were Buffalo for this won't happen to Buffalo. They'll still right. AAA. But let's say they said to you in Buffalo, "All right, Buffalo, you've had a AAA team. Now uh, because of travel restrictions or whatever, we're going to put you in Class A. So you're going to have a team, but it's going to be Class A." You would go, whoa, hang on a second. Are we going to draw as many fans? Uh, are people aren't going to be seeing the players that are going to be going right up to the majors through us? So there's going to be this complete reorganization of the minor leagues and about 40 teams. You're talking about hundreds of jobs being lost. You're talking about towns, certain towns, for example, where you say, yeah, you can have a team uh, and it can be sort of, it won't be affiliated with minor league baseball, but you can still kind of have a team there. And imagine a guy like, for example, Jose Altuve, who we mentioned, right. who started in very low class A ball. He, a guy like that will not get a chance to play for a major league affiliate now that they've reduced this number of minor league teams. So the good part is the players that are in AAA, AA, high A will have better facilities. They won't have to travel as much. They'll get uh, more money. But for the kids in the low, you know, that maybe are late bloomers, they may not get the opportunity, which is kind of sad. Uh, according uh, to Pat O'Connor, president of Minor League Baseball, he sent a letter warning teams of significant impending changes and advised not making any major decisions, including any financial commitments beyond the 2020 season. So suppose you're selling advertising and you want to, you know, a sponsor says, yeah, I'll, I'll sign on for five years. You have to say to them, oh, wait, we can't because we might be reduced to, uh, might be AAA. Well, might be to, yeah, we're in a condition. We don't know. At least they've been warned. We don't know what's going on. We, we're not, we're unsure as to what's going to happen after 2020. So that's a big, big thing. And like but there I are said, some cities where they're, uh, they got their single A team and suddenly they're going to be told you got a triple A team. There's a win. It, yeah, that could <laughs> certainly be a win. Definitely be a win there. Um, very interesting. Uh, speaking of improving conditions for athletes, a great article on ESPN the other day. Over the past 50 years, Mike, according to research conducted by Dr. Charles Chisler, the national average sleep duration on work nights has fallen from eight and a half hours a night to less than seven hours per night. Okay, so in 50 years, that's a long time, but still. I totally we used to get this, We yes. used to get eight and a half hours sleep on average on work nights, school nights, now less than seven. That's dangerously low. I think in a couple of years, says Tobias Harris of the Philadelphia 76ers, sleep deprivation will be an issue that's talked about, just like the NFL with concussions. Heavy stuff. Harris, like many athletes, has trouble sleeping. On off days, he'll make sure he's done with everything by 6 p.m. so he can be in bed by 8.30 to achieve his nightly goal of nine hours of sleep. Experts will tell you between eight and 10 hours of sleep is optimum, especially for someone Team, professional athletes that are traveling like this, they're going back and forth, eight to 10. He wants to get nine hours of sleep. So what he does is on game nights, as soon as the game is over, he, he, as soon as the game is over, he straps a breathing belt around his waist and slips a heart rate monitor on his index finger because he knows that the game has caused his body to release cortisol. That's a hormone that wakes him up while suppressing melatonin, which is the hormone that the body naturally produces to regulate sleep. 
He's out of balance. So for a few minutes, still wearing his jersey, adrenaline still flowing through his veins, he'll take several deep breaths, trying to slow his heart rate and breathing until they're aligned. And he monitors his progress on an iPad. Now, you know, and I'm sure everyone listening and watching knows, that if you're out late at night, especially if, if you've ever played professional sports, or even if you're playing pickup hockey, the adrenaline is flowing. Sure. It's late at night, right? You, you want to get to sleep by a certain hour. But, but you got to have something to eat and you might want to have a couple of drinks or whatever it is and you can't settle yourself down. Well, what if you've got a game the next night? What if you've got to get on a plane and fly to another city and check into a hotel and get to sleep late and all that kind of stuff? How do you, how do you slow yourself down so that you can get optimum sleep? Because you're playing the next night in Dallas or in, in New Orleans or, or that type of a thing. So this is a serious, serious problem. And a lot of the NBA players have admitted that they don't get much sleep at all. So the NBA provided a statement that declared that player health and wellness continues to be a major focus and notice its significant game schedule changes, an investment in a new airline charter program, a focus on mental health and wellness, and the advancement of wearable technology. Sleep is an area we look at closely as part of this effort. Let's face it, Mike. I don't care who you are. Getting that good restorative sleep is hard to come by. I need to know how, how many hours on average does Hebsey sleep? I, I sleep um, a little over seven, but I'm a good sleeper. And I get, I get that alpha, I get that past REM, I get alpha sleep, the deep restorative re-energizing sleep. I do not wake up tired, but I could sleep for four hours in the afternoon for a nap and wake up and feel terrible. Mm-hmm. So, it, so it's the evening sleep. So anyone that says to you, oh, if I catch a cat nap here or there, they're really, they're, they're, they're not in great shape. They're, you need to get the optimum sleep at night. Or if you happen to sleep during the day because you work nights, it's got to be with the window, with the shades drawn, um, everything like that. So, but seven to me, that's like, I mean, I probably average the same as you, about seven hours. But seven and- good hours. Do you sleep well? Yeah. Okay. Well, see, that's different because a lot of people sleep eight hours and it's eight hours of fitful sleep. They don't feel that much better. Right. So let's think about this. Let's, let's talk about NBA and NHL players. These guys play 82 games in less than six months. They fly up to 50,000 miles a season. That's, circling, that's enough to circle the globe twice. The average NBA and NHL play uh, team plays every 2.07 days and has 13.3 back-to-back sets. The Leafs have two of them this week. Right. 13.3 back-to-back <laughs> sets. Now, the Leafs, luckily for them, aren't flying long distances, right? They leave Toronto, they go to Boston. What's that, an hour, an hour and a half, right? And then the other one, they fly to Montreal. Same thing, an hour. But imagine, you know, if you had to play a game and then the next, and you're flying three hours or two and a half hours and, getting, and, and changing time zones and all that. So you're playing every two days. You're playing 13 or so back-to-back sets. You're flying the equivalent of 250 miles a day for 25 straight weeks. And often you're in a visiting city for only one day before flying out late at night and right after the game. So without proper rest, these athletes cannot perform at a high level for very long. Listen to this. LeBron James, four-time MVP, and a man who uh, invests seven figures a year on his fitness and physical well-being. His number one priority is sleep. Listen to this. In James's hotel rooms on the road, the temperature is set at 68 to 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Nearby electronics are shut off 30 to 45 minutes before he settles into bed. And when that happens, a sleep app on his phone ser- uh, serenades him with the soothing sound of rain falling on leaves. And it seems to work. He'll turn 36 in a few months. And it looks like he's got several good seasons left as long as he gets his sleep. But according to research, the average NBA player says he gets about the equivalent of five hours sleep per night wow. and maybe an hour nap during the day. That's not enough. Not so enough. when you see a guy go 0 for 7 shooting or he's dogging it in the fourth quarter, this guy's sleep deprived. These guys are in great shape, but sleep, you can't, 
you can be in the greatest physical shape as far as you're working out and, and all that, but if you're not sleeping, you're not getting that restorative sleep. You're doing a danger to yourself, to your team. You're not earning the salary you should be earning. But how do you get that? I mean, after the game, most guys want to go for a couple of beers, to, to, you know, to wind down. And this Fortnite, there's a lot of stuff going on with these young people. Right, and yeah. the screen thing, look at James. That first thing, that's the first thing I was told. If you want to get a good night's sleep, don't be watching television, right? Right. Don't have your screen on, okay? Yeah. And make sure it's off well in advance. So when you get into, when you get under the covers, you're in sleep mode. You're not in, I'm going to watch uh, the news and I'll fall asleep to uh, Jimmy Fallon or something like that. Or I'm going to be watching, playing Fortnite or that type of thing. That's the worst thing because you won't be able to fall asleep. I love this LeBron James uh, routine. I mean, that sounds like that's that's a great way to uh, approach this. Hey, Vince Carter's forty-two years of age. You know what he said? You know, he said, "You know how I lasted to forty-two? I get lots of sleep." He's forty-two. He gets lots of sleep, based on about ten thousand empirical scientific studies. The number of people who can survive on six hours of sleep or less without showing any impairment, rounded to a whole number, is zero. Oh. Got that? Wow, zero. Wow. That's from Dr. Matthew Walker, professor of neuroscience and psychology at the University of California, Berkeley. Well, Zero. A without lot of, any impairment. Impairment, Mike. Like driving uh, automobiles or... Uh, Playing professional sports or <laughs> operating machinery. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if you get less than six hours of sleep a night, you, you are impaired. You're going to be impaired. But I bet you most of the people listening to us right now uh, are, are getting six hours or less. Of I'd like to know. Uh, because the amount of time spent commuting, right? It's right. gone way up. And the these baseball of, games end at uh, midnight. Well, yeah. It just ba- but see, the thing with baseball is you're in a town for three days in a row minimum, right? No, for the viewers. I'm talking about oh, for oh, the, the viewers. Oh, you, sports well, that's, uh, different, listeners. that's different. Yeah, you're right about that. That's, that's true. And, and remember, you've just been watching a game, so your your pupils are dilated. You're, you have right. a screen in your and head. your alarm's going you, off at 6. You can't go right to, like yesterday. Look, I got up at 5.45 this morning. Uh, I went to bed around 11, so less than seven hours. A little less than seven hours. Uh, but I, when I hit that pillow, I, I can fall asleep pretty good. Yeah, you and I, me too. I'm pretty, I have that gift I, as well. And I know people that just, they can't. They could, they could sleep nine hours, get up and feel terrible the next day because it was a fitful, restless sleep. Anyway, um, so there you go. So try to get more sleep. And not behind the wheel of a car. And, oh, and, no. not, and not with these 20-minute or 30-minute catnaps. They, 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 they're, they help a bit, but you know, with those types of things, you end up you know, drinking an espresso to, to wake yourself up. Because the, the, a cat nap really doesn't work that much. In golf, Justin Thomas won the CJ Cup event in Korea, finishing at 20 under. Corey Connors, the only Canadian in the field, finished in tie for 12th. At the Buick LPGA Shanghai, Danielle Kang was the winner at 16 under. Canada's Brooke Henderson, who uh, led heading into the weekend, faltered with a pair of 73s, ended up in a tie for ninth place. Now, I tweeted uh, Saturday that maybe Brooke and Bianca Andrescu could share Athlete of the Year honors in Canada after right. Brooke made, oh, she made a hole in one the other day and then made this amazing shot on Saturday. Her second shot from the fairway landed like 30 feet past the pin and then stopped dead. And it's like someone pulled a string and reversed it 30 feet right back into the hole for an Eagle. It was an unbelievable shot. And then I tweeted maybe Bianca and Brooke for co-athletes of the year. Um, She's already been named, uh, this is Brooke Henderson, Canadian Press Female Athlete of the Year three times. And she just turned 22 years of age. Uh, mind you, Bianca winning the U.S. Open in tennis trumps just about anything Henderson has done this year. I mean, unless Henderson was to sweep all the major titles. It wouldn't matter. In golf. I don't think it matters. Yeah. I don't think we look at these the same. We don't. But again, like I said, unless Henderson swept like all of the women's golf major championships in one year, 
um, it's very tough to take away from a victory over Serena Williams in the U.S. Open at the age of 19 for Bianca. By the way, when you let off there, you said Justin Thomas won the uh, Justin event. Thomas. Okay. Yeah. At first, I thought you were calling it already. This is election day. I thought you were calling. You said, I thought you were saying Justin Trudeau won. I was thinking it's a bit early, Mark. The polls are still open. Mike, I, I, I keep telling you, we can't talk politics on the show. Not, that's not, not talking politics. We're not talking politics on the show. I, you know, <laughs> don't even get me started with these guys here. All I know is that the attack ads for, for um, during the elections, I, I can't stand. I can't stand it. I hate, I, I hate hearing somebody's bashing one of the candidates, right? And then at the end it says paid for by the whatever party. And, and they say it so yeah. quickly that you're not sure. Was it the NDP that was raking on Justin? Was it the Conservative Party? Was it the Green Party? You don't know who paid for the attack ad till the end. You just know that they're attacking one of the leaders. Ah, I don't like. I wish they were illegal. Like I'd love to see. I them hate long, it. Gone. I can't stand. It. it makes us. It makes us. I hate to say it. It makes us seem like we're Americans. It's it's definitely an. It American makes us seem style. like it's an you know like we're Americans. Let's just oh it's so and so promised this and didn't deliver and so and so and so and so groped Bianca Andrescu. Oh, come on. To be clear, the polls are still open, and Justin Thomas won, not Justin Trudeau. We'll right. know uh, later tonight what happened yeah, we'll in uh, the election. Make sure you go out and vote. Uh, another uh, another word about Crosswinds, our fabulous sponsor here. How good is their customer service? Mike, you're going to love this. They emailed me Saturday night to say there's going to be a frost delay. They're expecting frost. And they said it could be up to an hour, and we'll let you know. But the fact that they emailed all everyone who was on the sheet who was scheduled to play the next day and let them know that there could be a delay. I thought it was terrific customer because you could have shown up at the golf course. You get there and they go, oh, sorry, frost delay. And then you're moping around for like an hour or so. And again, this is uh, not a private course. This is a public, public course. Golf so course. even even I could go golf at... Uh... And they would let you know. They'd say, Mike, just want to let you know. And then and then yesterday morning, early, they, they emailed me again to say, oh, it's only going to be like an eight minute delay. The frost, uh, we, the frost is, the problem is sort of gone. So show up like eight minutes later. That's brilliant. That's great customer search, but even better. Yes. Playing yesterday with my son and his friend, with my son Dean and his friend Kurt. I saw Connor. the photo. Nice. Wonderful. Had a wonderful, such a gorgeous day out there. And, you know, I wear sunglasses. I have these really nice Ray-Ban sunglasses. And a lot of times what I'll do is, because you wear a, a, a cap, you just take your sunglasses and you put them on the top of your cap, right? Sure. You put them up there. And so, so at some particular point, I don't know what happened. Either I put them down somewhere or I took a swing and the sunglasses fell off my cap and I didn't realize it. A couple of holes later, I go to, to reach up for my sunglasses. They're not there. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Now, I, here's the way I looked at it. You lose your Ray-Bans on the golf course. Someone's going to pick them up. Someone's going to pick them up and probably go, ooh, a pair of Ray-Bans. I'm not giving these back. So I didn't hold up much hope. But I had mentioned to one of the marshals when I was out there. I said, look, I, I, I lost them on the third or fourth hole. He came back a little later, said, I looked for them. I couldn't find them. I went to the pro shop after the ninth hole at the halfway. And I said, look, I lost my Ray-Bans out there, third, fourth hole. If you find them, please let me know. I, and I didn't hold up much hope. A little right. later on, the marshal came again and said, I've been looking. I can't find them. I'm finished for the day. Okay. So I figured they're lost. So I'm bummed out. Mind you, we, sh we played really well. And I shot an 81 again, which tied That's my a great score. Record. Great score. And I'm, so I'm happy with that, but it's tempered. My enthusiasm is tempered because I've lost my Ray-Bans which I've had for years. And I've always made fun of people who lose their sunglasses. <laughs> oh, you lost your sunglasses again. That's, you're always losing sunglasses. I never lose my sunglasses, and I don't. And I lost them yesterday. So I'm having, we're having a nice meal at the Pebblestone Pub. My phone rings. It's the pro shop. We found your sunglasses. Yes. Ha <laughs> What a great day. That's customer service. That's Crosswinds in a nutshell right there. Beautiful uh, course. Great golf. Reasonable prices. Check out crosswindsgolf.com. And if you lose something, the chances are probably good they'll find it.
probably no. That's good to know. They're uh, honest, trustworthy people. The Buffalo Bills moved to five and one on the NFL season. A thirty-one twenty-one win over the Miami Dolphins. Squish the fish uh, in Buffalo, which in is easy Park, to do this season. Oh, they're horrible. Next to New England's perfect six and zero mark, the Bills have the second best record in the AFC at five and one. Josh Allen sixteen for twenty six, two touchdowns, no picks, and he ran one in for a touchdown as well. As the Bills scored twenty two fourth quarter points to subdue the Dolphins. Buffalo's only loss this year was in Week Four to New England, right? Which they should have won that game. I saw a bit of that I game. No, I was I'm sick about that. Just thinking about it. The Pats look to keep their perfect record intact tonight when they uh, host the New York. No, the Jets are hosting them in New Jersey. Uh, the only other unbeaten team in the NFL. Do you know, Mike? Uh, no, but I do because I'm looking at a note here that tells me, but I didn't know until I saw it. Yeah, him. the quarterback of this team is um, Tom Brady's former backup, Jimmy Garoppolo. It's the San Francisco 49ers. They're 6-0. and They beat Washington 9-0 in the mud yesterday in Washington. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo now 14-2 and in his NFL career. Not bad. That's good. Yeah, and the Niners. <laughs> and this is a team a few years ago that went to Super Bowl, Colin Kaepernick, and then once Kaepernick was... Basically shunned by the <laughs> poor guy. I feel terrible for him, but uh, you know he didn't take a knee, and uh, or he took a knee, and that's just this is this is yeah, just you know like talking politics, but this is part of the reason I have yep. trouble embracing this league. Yeah, no, no, that's you're, awful. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, so anyway, Jimmy Garoppolo. Anyway, so yeah, the two unbeaten teams are the San Francisco 49ers and the uh, New England Patriots. Pascal Siakam signed that max contract, four years and $130 million for the Raps. He's expected to carry the load now that Kawhi Leonard is gone. And the Raps raise the championship banner tomorrow and hand out the championship rings when they host the New Orleans Pelicans without the number one overall draft pick, Zion Williamson, will miss several weeks with a knee injury. That's not the way you want to start your NBA career, Mike. Uh, as I mentioned before, the TV network's not happy with this because they've, they, they had New Orleans slated in, I believe, twice in the first week of the season on national television. Because of Zion, right? And uh, Zion is uh, not going to be there. But, Go oh, on. oh, sorry, you were right about the rings. Like everybody's getting a ring. People in the marketing department, you get a, are ring. a ring. You get. I'm a ring. close to getting a ring. I you get a ring. <laughs> you get a ring. <laughs> but I mean, if you are any like, even if you're just like, I don't know, you help write tweets for MLSE or yeah. something, you're getting a ring. Now, this idea of rings, where when did this start? Like, when did they start saying everybody's going to get a ring? Was this was it football? Was it the Super Bowl? Was it hockey? Sure. I know that a lot of teams, a lot of hockey teams, um, presented rings to players years after the fact, right? I know other teams that when they won championships, they sent, they'd send a guy out saying, look, uh, go get rings for everybody. Like, you know what I mean? Like that kind of a thing. Get, get a bunch of rings. You know, we'll all spend a few hundred or whatever. They would buy their own rings so they could go, hey, look at this. I got a championship Well, it's a ring. collegiate thing, right? This comes out of like yes. your graduating class. That kind of a thing. Yeah. But I'm wondering when, like, I, like, I know that the, I think they started giving out Super Bowl rings, like, you know, right after the Super Bowl. But I, I, I'm not, I haven't done any research on the history of when they actually officially, teams officially would present rings to, to the champions right? when that occurred. And so, when did they stop charging the player the cost of the ring? Oh, I don't know that. I don't know that. <laughs> I do know, they no I, longer do that. I do know that the Montreal Canadiens year, many years ago, and this might have been back in the, mm, I'm going to say early 70s, maybe in the 60s, would send out the trainer, Eddie Palchak, to, uh, to order the rings. Like the players would say, okay, go order us the rings, so we've all got rings so we can all show people that we won the right, championships. right. But you're right. It comes from uh, collegiates. Your class wins, you get a class ring. And a lot okay. of people have those uh, class rings, yeah. um, class of whatever, 92, whatever. Right. So, but basketball, I never thought about it because I, I, I always, I always look at football players because so, they have those big meaty hands. 
Yeah. Right? Which work for the big rings. Hey, look at this ring here. Right. It's, it's huge, right? Because you got huge fingers. You got those sausage fingers. Yes. But NBA players, for some reason, I don't picture an NBA player wearing those big honking rings. But football players, yeah. Hockey players, too. Yeah, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. Ring yeah, it's true. I'm trying but to not think so like much Michael with Jordan basketball. with six rings on his Yeah, I just, you know, yeah. not so much. But anyway, so everybody's going to get a ring um, tomorrow night for the Raptors, and they're going to, they say that she should be there by 7.15. They want to say, folks, be there by 7.15 so you don't miss anything. And this has never happened before. We've never had an NBA champion. So we we're this is, you know, uncharted territory here for the, us. Don't miss this because be who great. knows if we'll ever get to enjoy this again. So soak it in. Nobody knows. All I know is that the Raptors are the defending NBA champions. Uh, t- give me your prediction here. What's going to happen with the Raps this year? They're going to make the playoffs. How high are they going to finish? Okay, do you want to go first? How far are they going to go? Do you want to go first? No, I want to okay. know from you. Fourth in the conference, uh, we lose in the second round. Hmm. I don't think so. I think we're going to the conference finals this year. Nice. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to win. Milwaukee's got a really good team. What about Philadelphia? They Philadelphia's look- got an okay team. Okay. They're okay. But I, I think the Raptors are going to surprise some people. And I think the fact that um, without, even without Kawhi, uh, look at their record last year without him. It was really good. True. No, was, we were great it was without him. Really, last year. really good. I think I'm, I'm going to say uh, off the top of my head, it was the 17 and 5. He missed 22 games. Is that about right? 17 and 5 is pretty good. So um, he wasn't in the lineup, and they still won a lot of games. And now. You've got OG Ananobi's a year older and looks terrific. Pascal Siakam is the man. You've got, uh, you didn't have Gasol all season last year. You picked him up in a midseason trade in the right. uh, Jonas Valanciunas deal. You're going to have him. You're going to have a much improved um, Norm Powell. You're going to have a, a, a much improved, I think, Fred Van Vliet, who's going to be dropping threes all over the place. Ice in the veins, that guy. You're going to have Ibaka on the bench. Okay. You're going to have, um, yeah, I think you've got a good looking Keep Lowry squad. healthy. Keep Lowry healthy. I think you're going to have a good squad. I think they're going to go. I think they're going to finish. I, I like your pick of, I'm going to say third in the conference, and I think they're going to lose in the final, in the Eastern Conference final to Milwaukee. That's my pick. I'll take that. Okay. There you go. <laughs> and that's it for episode 144 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks, uh, as always, to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. And thanks to our great sponsor, Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Go to crosswindsgolf.com. And, folks, if you're looking for a great sponsorship opportunity, uh, may I suggest uh, the Hebsey on Sports podcast, which is also, of course, shown on Periscope. Uh, many uh, podcasting, uh, uh, many advertising opportunities for you. Uh, golf season is coming to an end, and uh, Crosswinds will, is not our sponsor in the wintertime because there is no golf played in the winter here in Canada. And so we're looking for sponsorship opportunities. Get in touch with myself or Toronto Mike. Uh, he's at Toronto Mike. I'm at Hebsey Man. And let me just say, I think you would make, and you do make, an excellent ambassador for a brand. Thank I mean, you. Uh, I really do urge, and they can go straight to you because they probably yeah. want to talk to the man. But I urge you to go grab a coffee with Mark Hebsher and talk to him about the opportunities he has. Yes, not as expensive as you might think. Not like, you know, they're trying to gouge you like on terrestrial radio and stuff like that. And, and there's none of these clusters of commercials where you get the sixth commercial in a seven commercial cluster no commercials are embedded in the show i read them live anyway rather than go on and on about it blah 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 get in touch maybe you want to be a sponsor on hebsey on sports reach out to hebsey that would be a real feather in your cap wouldn't it uh thanks for allowing us into your headspace back with another exciting episode shortly until then so long for now